The first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. With Renee Vitale and uh, Renee, the house needs to get it together today. Today. Well, there's a a, a bold statement. Tall order. Wishful thinking. I also want uh, a McDonald's here in the lobby at uh, WJR. (laughs) That might happen before they get it together. Dare to dream. Dare to dream. Uh, So last night, House Republicans, they held a series of closed door meetings to discuss nominating and electing a new House speaker. There could be a vote today. Hopefully there's a vote today. Uh, Jim Jordan and Steve Scalise, we know, are officially running. And uh, Kevin McCarthy, who said the hell with it last week. Yeah, he did. Is now saying, "Uh, well, you know, if the committee nominates me and I run, then uh, maybe I'll uh, serve again. I got nothing to do. Well, and the thing, right. And the thing is, the world is a, a much different place now than when Kevin McCarthy was ousted from the House Speakership. That's that's very true. And, uh, you know, I'm wondering if Matt Gates, the Democrats, the seven other Republicans who voted McCarthy out after uh, daring to uh, work with Democrats and, and avoid a shutdown. I wonder if they're feeling a little stupid now that uh, Israel's twisting in the wind and they can't. Um, send any aid that we've been pledging for them until there's an actual speaker. Oh, that's a good point. I mean, I, I heard some audio with Matt Gates, and he did sound a little bit sheepish. Um, I mean, obviously they could not have anticipated what was going to happen. Nobody did. No. But that's what happens when you play stupid political games. So we need to get it together. Absolutely. We, it cannot I, – I, back in January, I don't remember how many – days it took for Kevin McCarthy to get voted in when he made that terrible right. deal with the Freedom Caucus. But it was like 15 rounds of voting. Right. We cannot. We don't have time no. for these games this time around. We got to get to business. Let's go. We don't have time to scuttle it till next right. week. No. You got to get it together today. Um, and look, I'm not a Kevin McCarthy guy. Uh, I, I'm not a fan of him. I think that, you know, him and, and Jim Jordan are, are basically the same guy when it comes to rubber stamping mm-hmm. for President Trump. But like for of all the reasons to oust him, working with Democrats to uh, avoid a shutdown was not it. Right. So um, and of God, these Israel updates, they get they get heavier and heavier every day, don't they, Renee? It's it's getting to the point where I have to set a time limit on how much I can watch on TV. Yeah. Because it's just, it's crushing. And, and again, obviously nobody's crying crying for us, you know. Uh, obviously we're not over there. It's no. as tough as it is for us to watch. Imagine how tough it is for everyone over there. However, I, I, I'm with you, Renee. I can't remember. The last, last time I remember having to turn news coverage off because, you know, in this business you get, you, you, you get, I don't want to say callous. Cal- yeah, I, I was going to say that's that's the best word I can think about. Yeah. Uh, I would say you compartmentalize in this sure. business. You can emotionally detach yourself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we've been talking about it. It's it, It's been, been tough to have to watch. The last time I actually had to turn news coverage off was the beginning of COVID when the top story of the news every day was someone who is healthy and younger than me dying of COVID. Right. So, um, but... You know, we have a duty to to inform people, and uh, just because it makes us uncomfortable, we can't look away as badly as we want to. Latest numbers, 1,200 Israelis dead, 900 dead in Palestine. Israel is now arming its citizens with guns to protect their homes and neighborhoods. Um, that, that's how dire it's gotten over there. 
Uh, two things we were hoping were not going to happen are happening. Um, Israel and radical Islamic faction Hezbollah in Lebanon have been exchanging rocket fire at Israel's northern border. Iran has not come out yet and claimed that they had anything directly to do with Saturday's attack. But, I mean, they do fund and arm Hamas almost exclusively. Uh, They haven't really claimed responsibility for the attack, but they are plotting it. Like, it it almost feels like it's a wink-wink. We had nothing to do with it, but, but, you know. Yeah. Good job. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, also, Iranian allies in Iraq and Yemen have said that they will target American assets in the region if the U.S. gets involved, including sites in Saudi Arabia. Uh, so this thing could really still expand exponentially. And, and, and Hamas is really ramping up the terror. I mean, they are they are really just ramping up their their reputation of just being there's not a word strong enough for 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 how heinous they are. They uh um, have been posting videos and and pictures of beheading babies. I, I that's when I had to shut it off yesterday. Um, hearing the reports of of babies being butchered, families being slain. Mm-hmm. That's that's where I had to draw the line. They're threatening to kill the hostages. Obviously, they they they've taken a a, a hundred to two hundred hostages. Hamas says that for every rocket that flies from Israel, they're going to execute a hostage on camera um and uh and there's uh still 20 americans unaccounted for i believe um that doesn't necessarily mean that they're hostages but they're unaccounted for yeah um now there are talks of opening a humanitarian travel channel between uh egypt and gaza for americans in palestine and palestinian civilians who do not support hamas the World Health Organization would also like to be able to deliver medical supplies. I, I, I mean, I'm fine with this mostly, Renee, because not everyone in Gaza supports Hamas, and they should be able to escape to safety. But uh, they definitely have to be screened very care- carefully for infiltrators. Yeah, you know, for me, it's the Holocaust survivors. Imagine surviving right. the Holocaust and then to have to endure this, to be taken hostage and endure this. Yeah. I I, I mean, and, and it, it, it's, pro, I mean, obviously, except aside from the terrible fact that you've been kidnapped, it's it's got to reopen so many wounds. And, and like you said, I mean, to survive the Holocaust and, and live your life, mm-hmm. the rest of your life with a tenuous peace, knowing your worst nightmare, it happening again, and it, it does happen, happen again. It can't happen again. It can't happen again. How could somebody endure that twice? Right. And then there you are. And it's happening again. Ugh. So, I, I, I mean, it's it, it, it's a very, very heavy week, and, you know, we like to have fun on the show, but it, some days you just can't. You just can't. Um, it's awful. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Joe Biden came out uh, with a speech. Um, what I would say to Joe Byron is... Uh, what do you want to tell Joe Biden right now? I would say one o'clock means one o'clock. One o'clock does not mean two thirty. I know. I was like, it's nap time. Let's go. <laughs> right. Think of us. Uh, <laughs> he had a good reason for being for being late. He before he gave his speech from the White House, he was actually on the phone with uh, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, and as you can imagine, they had a lot to discuss, and, and it ran a little bit long. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he told him that uh, if the U.S. was targeted like Israel was targeted, the response would be swift, decisive, and overwhelming. Right. 
He directly condemned the Hamas attack as terrorism compared to them to ISIS like Netanyahu did earlier this week. Um, he pledged strong support um, that the U.S. stands with Israel, also said Hamas does not represent all Palestinians. And he said that Hamas is actually using Palestinians as human shields as well as Israelis. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not mention specifically Iran. I, I, I feel like everyone's being very careful when it comes to um, pointing any figures at Iran here. And I think that's probably just just some diplomatic tension there. Um, he pledged to provide Israel with all resources they need for, for the Iron Dome and uh, any other means of self-defense and will direct Congress to get it together and move quickly. However, like we said at the beginning, Congress can't do anything until they uh, elect a speaker. How embarrassing. Is, isn't it embarrassing, it's though? So, he's, oh, it was embarrassing before this. I think nonpartisans are, you know, have, have been looking at this uh, this house thing as, you know, we let you people get it together. But now it's worse. Now it's yeah. worse that there's there's world crisis uh, with one of our closest allies that we can't do anything about. Don't mind them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Once the children get it together, we'll be able to, to, to help out with the humanitarian crisis. Right. Um, he said uh, that we are um, deploying intelligence to help recover hostage hostages um they're also um have law enforcement on high alert around synagogues and jewish communities um to thwart any attacks or anti-semitic violence um and uh warns other countries and factions against taking advantage of the situation which uh you know wishful thinking Mm -hmm. because they already are uh all right little late as always surprise surprise we'll be back first thing mike parsons renee vitale wjr the first thing is First Thing with Mike Parsons on 760 WJR, where Michigan comes to talk. All right, we'll get back to uh, talking about the latest updates in Israel uh, about 545 when we bring in the JR Morning crew. But uh, a lot of other news going on, Renee, uh, especially um, at East Lansing. Last week, Brenda Tracy, the woman who... uh, uh, accused, fired Michigan State football head coach Mel Tucker of sexual harassment with, uh, we'll just call it the phone call. We all know what we all know what's being alleged in that phone call mm-hmm. by now. Um, she filed an emergency restraining order to block Mel Tucker and his legal team from releasing any more of her private text messages. Um, those came out last week and um, didn't cast her in the best light. She's saying that she needs to protect the lives and confidential information of third parties that have nothing to do with this case, which I understand there's, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's a lot of sexual assault survivors, but I would think that the only text messages that uh, Tucker's legal team would be interested in releasing would be the ones between the two of them. Right. It's not like they're, they're interested in any of her work-related yeah. messages. Or the one between her and her uh, uh, deceased uh, friend and uh, assistant. I don't know. I, 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 I understand that, but I also feel like in the interest of fairness that a court or, you know, a, a hearing committee should have access to these one way or another. And I don't know if that means having a judge review them beforehand to make sure no sensitive information about sure. innocent parties. Sure. If it's relevant to the case, we need to hear both sides of it. Right. I don't know, and and this is where uh, me getting a law degree instead of a communications degree would have been very helpful in this situation. What's well, common sense? Well, and, and exactly, and and I don't know if um, it's possible for the text messages to be released in court 
or during a committee without being released to the public. But I, I, I think in the interest of fairness, someone making decisions about the, the fate, either professionally, legally or civilly, of Mel Tucker um, they need to see those text messages to, to, to make to make a fair decision. I think that we've all realized there's more to this story. And so I think that those messages should be released. Right. And, you know, when it comes to Mel Tucker's employment, you know, Jamie was saying it on, on the morning show. It, it's kind of a moot point because he was fraternizing with a university vendor on university time. Right. But when it comes to a civil case or when it comes to litigation, one side suing the other. Um, those need to be able to be viewed um, while protecting the privacy of, of other people. I agree. Um, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, remember uh, uh, a few weeks ago after the devastating Maui wildfires, just how much how 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 much uh, both Oprah and Dwayne The Rock Johnson were getting roasted for opening a uh, Maui relief fund? Oh, that went over real well. Yeah, they had a lot of haters. Uh so The Rock has responded to those haters who called him out for asking people to donate to the victims of the Maui wildfires. And he was surprisingly diplomatic about it. Yeah, actually, and this is from his uh, Instagram here. Uh, I, it, it, may, it may not surprise you that I'm, I'm, I'm quite a follower of The Rock on social media. Here's what he said. And, you know, the backlash was that he and Oprah, they opened up a, I don't know if it was a GoFundMe, but it was something along those lines. Uh, to help the victims of the Maui wildfires. They both donated $5 million of their own money. Yeah, so $10 million collectively, which is like 5 bucks to you and I. Right, but it's a good start. And so, you know, people who didn't have $5 million lying around, it, it rubbed them the wrong way, and here's how The Rock responded. When we first launched the fund, uh, there was some backlash that came with launching the fund. I just and said I that. I want to address and acknowledge that backlash right now, and here's what I have to say about that. I get it. And I completely understand. And I could have been better. And next time I will be better. And I understand, you know, money ain't falling out of the sky and it's not growing on trees. Like it does for you. And there's a lot of people out there be nice. who's living paycheck to paycheck. <laughs> and I get it and I know what that's like. I've lived paycheck to paycheck. See, he Seven gets bucks. It right. I know. Uh -huh. I know what that's like. And when you are living paycheck to paycheck, I don't want to speak for everybody, I'll speak for myself, but I feel it's connected. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, I was easily pissed off and i was frustrated me too and the last thing you want to hear when you are living paycheck to paycheck is someone asking you for money especially when the person asking you for money already has a lot of money right so i get it i understand i'd never launched a fund before uh but i'm a quick study and lesson learned Look, I was not mad at The Rock to begin with, uh, but I can't stay mad at The Rock. I don't know if these jabronis who are coming after <laughs> The Rock on social media <laughs> saw what he'd do in a wrestling ring, but he, you, you know, <laughs> the, the, one of The Rock's superpowers is his restraint because I've seen him layeth the smackdown both verbally oh my gosh. and, Here we go. and, you know, and in the, in the ring. Uh -huh. And, uh, you know, these people are lucky they didn't get a people's elbow. No, I mean, jokes aside, I, I mean, here's the thing. Um, I'm biased, obviously. The Rock was my favorite wrestler as a kid. And, and I know that if we just got the chance to meet, we'd be best friends. Uh -huh. um, you know, Just because you're rich doesn't mean you have all the money in the world. Doesn't mean you have the money to fix all the problems in the world. I think, although it may have came off a little tone deaf, 
I think Oprah and The Rock were just trying to kind of leverage yeah. their their name and, and influence to be a force multiplier for good and raise more money than they sure. could have donated themselves. He's Mr. Maui. He thought he was using yeah. his star power for good. I get it. And yes, it came off tone deaf. And I've got a lot of credibility on this issue because not only am I a lifelong rock fan, I am also broke. So <laughs> I can there we go. Next time, call Mike Parsons. Yeah, yeah, all right. Hey, Rock, um, I got some bottles and cans in my garage. Uh, No, you know, God bless the Rock. He's a national treasure. People need to back up. All right, so the the whale mural. Oh, locally, people are upset. It made a brief comeback. Yeah. An act of God. I think the Lord wanted to bring back the, the whale mural itself on the, uh, I think it's the Broderick building. Yeah. Um, but capitalism has intervened once again and the whales have gone away. Yeah. On Tuesday, a new mural was put up. The artist, Detroit native Robert Weiland, painted the mural on the side of the new Broderick Tower back in 97. Well, in 2021, a temporary ad for rocket companies was placed over the mural, but the storms over the summer damaged that mural and it began coming down in late August and many people rejoiced at seeing the whales back on the side of the tower, especially as the Tigers finish their season and thousands flock to Comerica Park. Well, right, now... Because, you know, with this team, you had to... Once you're at the game, you had to look at something else. Right, exactly. Well, now there's a new ad up, and it says, it's a pretzel sword, and it's for Lunchables Dunkables, a new snack for kids. I'm fine with it because I'm a big Lunchables no. guy. I love Lunchables. And, Mike. You know, and, and furthermore, I'm a big Dunkables fi- guy. Oh, Mike, stop talking. <laughs> Wait. Stop talking. Wait. Well, what? which part exactly do you have an issue with here? All of it. Okay. All of it. Okay, if you're going to come for Lunchables... I never. I better never see you with the charcuterie board because that's what it is. At least graduate to a charcuterie. You're not wrong. Yeah. At least graduate to a charcuterie. But really, that's I just the told best you. We could I just do. told you I'm broke. We covered the whales with a Lunchables ad. If there is one product that I'm fine with the whales being covered up with, it's Lunchables. Oh my god. Seriously. Um. And any. At of- least make it save the whales. Say, or wait, say, maybe that's ironic. You know, you know what actually would be a great. You know, it would be a great um, campaign if you put like a GoFundMe up there, like maybe the Rocks Maui Fund, and says <laughs> if we raise this much money, we'll bring the whales back. There you go. Now you're on to so something. So it could be save the and whales. Free lunchables for everyone. Yeah, I guess the people at Lunchables would have to be on board with that, right. but I'm on board with it as well. Um, yeah, I'd be, I'd be fine. I, I'm fine with Lunchables being up. There's a few, um, there's a few other, uh, products that I would endorse being up there, but yeah, I mean, you're right. Jokes aside, um, Lunchables. it never seems to go over really well when they, when Lunchables. they cover that up. Maybe Fago. I don't know. At least a local product. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Maybe ICP with some Fago over the, uh, yes. over the. Or paint the whales in ICP paint. <laughs> I don't know. You know what? Whoever is is in charge of marketing at Fago, um, they need to call you, and I'm going to miss you when you get a great <laughs> new job as head of marketing at Fago, and I'm doing this show by myself. It's first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale on WJR. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for first thing with Mike Parsons. 760 WJR. Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, and uh, we are heading into JR Morning. So, of course, got the JR Morning crew in with us, Guy, Lloyd, and Jamie. And uh, Renee and I were talking about this the first segment. We we were talking about this a little bit yesterday. Just, uh, 
you know, just uh, how much tougher the, this this whole Israeli conflict has been to cover with just, you know, the the atrocities that have been com- uh, committed by Hamas. Obviously, it's nothing compared to what the people over there are going through, but it, it, it's still tough. And, um, you know, every time something bad happens, I, I, I'm always visited on my social media feed by this Mr. Rogers meme that says uh, that when he was a kid and scary things happened, his mom would say, look for the helpers. And, we're, we're, and, and I think that that's important. And we're, we're starting to see more and more of that. Um, you know, you're seeing faith groups. Um, coming in with supplies. You're seeing um, thousands of Israelis and tourists lining up to give blood. There's yeah. a dentist from San Francisco who is uh, offering his medical services. But I don't know if you guys have seen this guy yet. Uh, his name is Noah Taban. He's a 62-year-old retired Israeli general. Um, he got a phone call from his son that his son's family's home was surrounded by Hamas terrorists and that they were huddled in their safe room uh, afraid. So General Taban, um, he, he, he went into general mode. He got in his car, drove to his son's house. When he arrived, he assisted the Israeli soldiers who were fighting off the advancing Hamas terrorists. And he busted into his son's house and he saved his son, his wife and his children. Mm. And he said that uh, when he found them, his grandson looked up at him and said, Grandpa came. And he's, oh, oh, wow. and he said, of all the battles he's ever fought, that was the most important one. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And uh, look, um, there's more good in this world than evil. The- it's hard to think about that right now, though, seeing yeah. everything on first social. of all. I got to turn it off sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But here's the yeah. here's you know here's the the, the, two, the first thing that struck me. They called from their safe room. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? This is this is a part of everyday life in Israel. Mm-hmm. They all you have, have to have a yeah. safe room. Imagine that, right? Living I, I, in that, living in that kind of fear, right? I, I mean, casually, casually saying we're in our safe room, yeah. right? Where we have dens and things like that, they have to designate a room in their house as yeah. a safe room. And We've got people worried that... about their man cave, yeah. right? Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And over there, those safe rooms are usually the kids' rooms. That's where they sleep. Yeah. So they're mm-hmm. already in there at night. Wow. Which I, I, which, which I guess is actually a good thing because. It, it, it's it's normalized it, when the kids are are rushed in there they feel like they're just going near the room they don't feel like they're in their bomb shelter but like we said the fact that they even have to uh consider things like this just it's it's something we can't fathom here in the united states no and but but you know what what a great movie what a great book that will be or it's just i mean yeah the that, grandpa, that, that, yeah, the, 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 yeah. Grandpa's Grandpa's rescue. Yeah, yep. I, I mean, it, it kind of harkens to Liam Neeson in Taken. It um, does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean, Jamie, I'm with you. Um, you know, we we've been talking about how it's been hard to compartmentalize, and and the only time I remember having a hard time compartmentalizing and having to turn off the news and watch everything else uh, was at the beginning of COVID, when the lead story every day was yeah. someone younger than me, someone healthier than me, yes. passing away, and I said. All right, uh, you know I'm I'm gonna read about the I'm I'm gonna read about this online because um, you know I I I I, I can't handle all. Of I was this. watching last night and just about all of the the all news channels, you know, talking about what was going on over in in Israel and showing you know video of mm-hmm. the, and then not just they showing blur the video, it out, but they it's blur there. it out. Yes, they blur it out, but not just showing the video, but saying exactly what right. happened, and it's just. Yeah. And, and you they, couldn't you couldn't dodge it. 
And they've yeah. ratcheted it up, too. I mean, Hamas has ratcheted it up. There's, yeah. You know, the, the the big new development, I don't even want to say, but 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 we've seen yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. The, no, I can't talk about it. We've yeah. got to, <laughs> you know what, though? You've got to keep telling the stories of the victims. Yes. You've got to keep the focus on these families, the grandfather. Right. The fear of the children in that family who were so overjoyed to see the grandfather. Yeah. It's great that they were rescued. Just imagine how traumatized that they were in the hours leading up to seeing his face. Yeah. Yeah. And some of these kids had to be quiet for nine hours in these safe rooms waiting for rescue. I can't imagine that either. I mean, imagine being the parents who have to keep the kids quiet for nine hours. It's yeah, so we, we, there's there is. I mean, but you we've know, we've got w- perhaps as many as twenty. Uh, we don't know how many hostages, American hostages, are involved. But you yeah, know, they're, this they're, is something that our government is going to have to navigate and and maybe send a very strong message to Iran uh, about what the consequences are going to be. Yeah, and and the Iran angle is interesting. Um, I feel like everyone's being very careful. Yeah, to uh, classify their involvement. Right. Biden didn't mess, uh, mention him in the speech yesterday. Debbie Dingell uh, was real uncomfortable yesterday when we were talking about it. Iran themselves have said, we didn't have anything directly to do with it, but, you know, they're applauding it. And obviously they're almost... Oh, but Hamas says that they did. Right. Well, right. And, and, you know, they're, they're sending a giant uh, fruit basket. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, 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 I mean, on top of that, Hamas is almost entirely funded and armed by Iran. So. 97%. The, the distinction doesn't matter if they directly helped in this. They give money every single year. They support yeah. them. They support them. Yeah. I, I, we'll uh, get into this at 6 o'clock. But Jack Keane, who has been a frequent guest and a good friend of this program, and he, he had some very, I thought, on-point things to say about the president yesterday and the president address and i thought it was heartfelt jamie and we'll, we'll discuss this in a minute but i mean it was very heartfelt it was unequivocal the support for israel is there but it's what he didn't say mm-hmm. and that's important too well and here's the thing the house needs to get it together today today we cannot have 15 rounds of voting <laughs> oh, there's, there, there's an international crisis a humanitarian crisis that we can help directly with get it together today be adults for the next 24 hours and get it together. Well, we'll find out what their first move is in four hours. That's when the first nominating vote uh, will get underway. We'll be talking about all of that and anything else we can cram in edgewise. Uh, Another jam-packed episode of JR Morning coming up. WJR. The last thing each day is to set an alarm for first thing with Mike Parsons. 760 WJR. Robert Kennedy Jr. announced his candidacy for president as an independent earlier this week after running as a Democrat up until then. Will the move pay off and what kind of effect will it have on the presidential race? Jason Rowe, principal of Rowe Strategic, talks about it on JR Morning with Guy Lloyd and Jamie. A change in strategy yesterday from Robert F. Kennedy Jr. as he ditched the Democrat Party and embraced an independent run for president. Does he increase his fortunes? Uh, He was charged with undermining uh, Joe Biden's effort to remain in power. And to that, he said, yeah, I I plead guilty. Uh, I also want to undermine uh, Donald Trump's ability to return to the White House as well. Uh, What does that mean? And does it set a new standard? Perhaps will others follow him? as America seeks, uh, if not a third party, at least a third choice. Jason Rowe is principal of Rowe Strategic, and he joins us live this this morning, rather. Jason, good morning. Good morning, guys. Thanks for having me. 
So what what is what do you uh, see as behind RFK's announcement, and what is the potential for him to improve his fortune? Uh, well, I think the motivation is reality. Uh, there's very little chance that he would get the Democratic nomination, and so his uh, runway toward the nomination would probably end in, in just a few months after the primaries uh, got started and, and he lost all the oxygen. This, you know, gives him an opportunity to play all the way through as an independent candidate. Um, you know, the challenge he'll have is certain states have complicated ballot access rules that make it difficult to actually get on the ballot. But, uh, you know, I think there's at least 35 or so that he should be able to uh, to get on for sure. Um, and, you know, that means he'll be around all the way uh, through, like, you know, someone like Ross Perot or Pat Buchanan has done in the past. You know, excuse me. You know, Jason, uh, with the president's incumbent status, you know, it kind of makes him makes it kind of difficult for you to challenge him from within the party. But you know, Kennedy also has some views that put him at odds with a lot of the Democratic voters and his family. Yeah, yeah, um, no doubt about it. In fact, I saw a poll this morning that uh, favorable views towards him is forty eight percent amongst Republicans and fourteen percent amongst Democrats. Um, you know. I, COVID obviously turned some people, turned an issue into an ideological issue that we probably before COVID wouldn't have thought about. And, you know, he has a long history of questioning the pharmaceutical industry, so it's not surprising that he's embraced that position. But, you know, this is a little bit of a religion for a lot of folks within the Democratic Party, um, the, you know, the, the masking and the vaccination culture. Uh, so that part's not surprising, but mm-hmm. you know, at the same time, he's a Kennedy. This is the royal family of the Democratic Party, so right. I don't think you can ignore the influence that he will have with certain voters, particularly older voters that hold his uncles and uh, father in high regard. Mm-hmm. You know, Kerry Kennedy tweeted out, "Bobby might share the same name as our father, but he does not share the same values, vision, or judgment," and the family is saddened. Um, I want to switch gears to the speaker. You know, debate, fight. Some are saying, let's get this done. We need to with everything going on in Israel. And others are saying, oh, well, let's make sure we have the right choice. Representative Max Miller said, let's wait a week. What do you think, Jason? <laughs> I don't think we can afford to wait a week. Um, you know, the you know what Hamas did was take advantage of some vulnerabilities that the United States has. Um, you know, we have complicated situations going on with Ukraine domestically, and I don't think the timing of this was accidental, not to say that they waited until we had a vacancy in the speakership. I don't think as broad an attack as they mounted can be just turned on at the flip of a switch. I think you know, the timing was preordained. Um, but the reality is the dysfunction of our government right now, the complications of what's happening domestically and internationally make us vulnerable, and we cannot afford to be playing these games in Washington right now when there is so much at stake. I would hate to delay for a week and see that whatever Hamas tried in Israel is part of a plan that um, also involves an attack within the United States and be one of the people that delayed uh, having our Speaker of the House in place when that happened. So I think it is risky. I think it's foolish. These folks know their colleagues in the conference um, they had their first conference meeting last night. They're going to have a forum uh, between the two leading candidates today, and they're supposed to vote tomorrow. And if they don't get it done tomorrow, I think it's going to make us as Republicans look even more disorganized and ineffectual. What kind of a message should they send to the Gang of Eight? 
who yesterday, I, I don't know if you heard it, but uh, Kevin McCarthy in his news conference said, look, whoever my successor is, it doesn't matter how strong his conservative principles may be. He cannot be effective under the current scenario where you've got eight people that can upset the apple cart. Well, there there is a discussion of getting rid, rid of the, the relatively novel um, uh, rule that they put in to vacate the chair, which cost him his seat. Um, listen, the eight have valid reasons to be upset. They don't have valid justification to overthrow their leader. The rules in, in Congress have always been that you settle those things within the House Republican Conference, right. and then you go onto the floor united and take care of business. They only had eight votes within the conference, and so they decided to conspire with Democrats to, to overthrow their leader. That's just not how you do it. I understand their frustrations. Um, he cut a deal that he probably never intended to live up to, but at the same time, the disarray that we've now thrown the party in um, it isn't a good look for us. And when we're trying to suggest to voters that make sure you return a Republican Congress to be a check on Biden should he get reelected, we don't look like we're very organized to be that check right now. Right. Uh, Scalise and Jordan are the two that are, are running. Do you think whoever comes out in front that the rest of the party will get behind one or the other? I do because of the circumstances that, that we are in. I don't think that eight or any others want to make this a routine. They did it once. If they did it twice, I have a feeling you know there's going to be much more of a reckoning. There is a big you know uh, challenge facing um, the House Republicans, though. You know, choosing between the two. You know, I would say as doing the job of Speaker of the House, either is perfectly qualified and would do a, a good job. Uh, there's a larger issue, and that is fundraising. Kevin McCarthy was one right. of the most extraordinary fundraisers House Republicans have ever had. Jim Jordan is not a fundraiser. He doesn't play the politics game. He doesn't go travel for other candidates. He's not that guy. Steve Scalise is. Uh, Steve Scalise has raised $170 million for House Republicans um, since he's been in Congress. Uh, Jordan's not come anywhere near that, and so while – uh, whoever the speaker is will inherit the apparatus of the National Republican Congressional Committee and the Congressional Leadership Fund, that infrastructure and that staff. Um, only Scalise is going to inherit relationships with major donors around the country that fund those organizations. For a lot of uh, folks, meeting Jim Jordan will be the first time they've ever met him, and they that speaker needs to raise hundreds of millions of dollars. Yeah. So if you're a House Republican and you've got to make a choice, you're probably making a choice if you're in a swing seat of the difference of a million dollars coming in to help you or six million dollars coming in to help you. And I do think that will affect a lot of the House Republicans' decision making. A lot of noses that have been cut off despite faces. Jason Rowe, we appreciate your insights. Thanks for being with us.